Hi, I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about who speaks for the American people. Border overrun, so now's the time for amnesty. Hunter Biden hearings, DOA. Prisoner swap from the swamp, Griner but not Whalen, and Brazil and Bolsonaro. I'm going to try to get to all those topics. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, health care freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. There's a growing awareness in America among not just people you would call traditional conservatives, not the far right or whoever that's supposed to be, but just the average American citizen, a growing awareness that they simply have no one in Washington, D.C. who actually stands up for them, who actually stands up for core American ideas like sovereignty, secure borders, strong military, freedom, capitalism, the whole range of issues, you know, the foundational place in America, family, uh, a place of faith, the Bill of Rights, these things are just fundamental to millions of Americans and really fundamental especially to the core voting base of the Republican Party, and there's no one in Washington who stands up for them. And this is becoming a growing awareness as we watch, we have the midterms, which the 2022 midterms, which I've said in this show many times, I feel absolutely did not, were not honest. I think there was a red wave again. And I think along with the stolen election of 2020, the frustration rises among American people, not just that election integrity is ignored by the courts, by the legislatures, the fixes the legislatures do, do not relate in any way to the problem. And many people in both parties seem to be kind of okay with the obvious election theft. But there's a deeper growing, uh, profound discontent among the American people that simply is saying the, ele- the people, we, the reason we turn out, why we vote, what we, what we stand for, what we fight for, these people get to Washington and they don't do anything related to these issues. Now, especially if you're a member of a victim group, the left lives and breathes on creating silos of victim groups, and those victim, alleged victim groups, uh, whether it's gender, race, ethnicity, national origin, uh, some other uh, legal status in America, if you're a a favored group, an allegedly uh, alleged minority suffering discrimination, you get all sorts of attention from Washington. But who pays attention in Washington to these really core ideas that are really supposed to be fundamental? And you would assume, uh, people in both parties would assume, that Washington just simply always looks out for these issues. But people are realizing they don't. So right now, we just had our midterm elections. Republicans have a slim majority in the U.S. House. And the battle ongoing right now is selecting the Speaker of the House. Now, the Speaker of the House is a tremendously powerful position, and it's been held. uh, So Republicans, uh, a Republican gets to be Speaker of the House, um, and the, which was Nancy Pelosi was as the Democrat when they had their majority. And so the battle underway right now is whether or not the Republicans, the elected majority, should just go ahead and reelect Kevin McCarthy, who's uh, been the minority leader at the time when we didn't have, I wasn't the Speaker of the House because we didn't have the majority. And he wants to be speaker now. He feels like he's earned Kevin McCarthy, California congressman, California in every way. Um, I mean, politically Republican and just a guy who's a go along, get along guy. Well, he feels like he's earned his time. Uh, he's back and he, he gets to be speaker of the House. Well, right now, the uh, vote coming up, it does, it's not a vote of, of anyone else except the members of the hopefully just Republican caucus. And there are people holding out saying, no, no, we don't believe, Kevin McCarthy, that you will stand up for all of these issues that are driving the American people insane, that we can't, we cannot get this obvious majority in America representation answers with teeth 
out of Washington. So there was a, uh, I thought it was a very good piece in American Greatness by Representative Matt Gaetz of Florida. And he's just saying, he called it straight out, McCarthy's not the right leader for the moment. And I really want you to think about this, how politics work versus with the real issues, you know, the bread and butter issues of the American people, the, you know, the, the grassroots, what they care about and think about. So McCarthy wants to be the majority leader because he feels like it's, you know, he, it's, it's his turn and, you know, he's been, a, he's been in Congress for a long time and tried to be a good leader. The simple fact is McCarthy doesn't fight on anything that matters. He just doesn't fight. And so you have, um, this was a, a man who had been recognized previously as the tech industry's best friend. That's a bad plan. He's been a bad idea. He, McCarthy, has been endorsed by Paul Ryan. I mean, everybody's obvious. He's, he's in the you know, epitome of a rhino, centrist, weak, unserious Republican. Unserious, not aware of what time it is in America, not aware of the battles we face in America. So Paul Ryan's endorsed him. Um, there's also a um, other little tips about him to tell you who he is. Uh, his closest advisor, his, Paul, this is uh, Kevin McCarthy's closest advisor, has represented Pfizer, Amazon, and a firm dedicated to giving out a path to American citizenship to wealthy Chinese. Um, his roommate, and yes, he has a roommate, which is relatively weird. Um, his roommate uh, is a guy who is, uh, I'll tell you his name in just one moment, but I'm going to get back to what is um, this point here. Um, he, Kevin McCarthy, as just indicia, points you should know that would tell you if you were a Republican member of Congress, you would not think, yeah, Kevin McCarthy, he stands uh, with, with the people of America. So Kevin McCarthy, in the days after January 6th, Kevin McCarthy asked during a call with Liz Cheney, you know, traitor-in-chief, whether Twitter could take away conservative Congressman Barry Moore's Twitter account because Moore pointed out something that didn't fit the narrative of January 6th. He pointed out that the shooting of Ashley Babbitt didn't fit the left's narrative because, after all, Ashley Babbitt was actually killed by a Capitol Police officer, not one of the bad rioters. I go on and on and on with the points about Kevin McCarthy, but he's a... Um, you know, another great quote about him. Uh, we don't need a weatherman. We need a leader. A leader would stand up to the Biden administration. Um, and but the, I mentioned his roommate. He's roommates of all bizarre things. Kevin McCarthy in Washington, roommates with Frank Luntz, the famous pollster who used to be the one uh, turned to by a lot of conservatives who they, until very recently people realized he's not with us at all. And so I get around making this point. There are people standing in the way. In fact, a Congressman Andy Biggs of Arizona has now said he will run. He's put his name in the, on the list in the hat for being Speaker of the House. And people in the central can say, well, you know, you can't have Andy Biggs. You know, he's too conservative. We want, I mean, what the Republicans should be thinking about is what do the American people want? Do they want someone who will compromise, negotiate, which is Kevin McCarthy's middle name, compromise and negotiate, or do we want a leader? And the Republicans in Washington have been so used to, so, for so long, to just capitulating, giving in to the left, doing whatever the left wants, allowing the country to be, which is now has been, dragged over the cliff to socialism. And this is a guy whose who's practice in Washington, Kevin McCarthy, as he thinks legislating is, versus leaders who will fight for the standards of principles that the conservatives have been fighting Four. And so there was a, a list of demands uh, issued by, um, a sh I think it was only five Republicans, um, a list of demands. Uh, they want to ask Kevin McCarthy, will you agree to these things? Uh, one of them is make it easier, essentially, to force a vote uh, to remove him, to vacate the chair. It's called a vote to vacate the chair. So demands being made by conservatives. McCarthy, you really want to be Speaker of the House? You want to be seen as a leader? Then you, we want you to agree, number one, uh, to make it easier to remove you, to vacate the chair, something I'm sure he doesn't want because once you get in leadership in Congress, you want to make it really hard for even your fellow colleagues to get you out of that role. Another demand, the House GOP leadership avoids spending any money on House Republican primaries so they can prevent the favoring of one candidate over another because this is another ploy of establishment Republicans. They use party money 
to back people in primaries who are the ones who are going to perpetuate the rhino establishment uh, base of the Republican Party and ignore the voices of the people. Uh, and there's a, I, I just, I can't urge you so on to think about this. It's not just the Speaker of the House issue. It's a huge one. But we're really at a time in America, I always use the expression what time it is in America, we're at a time that the American people are, are, are yearning, longing for leadership. They don't want a compromiser. They don't want a negotiator. They don't want someone who will just surrender the moment the going gets tough, the moment that some headline comes out calling them a name, the moment someone says, well, if you're going to stall that bill or you're going to insist on this, you know, well, we're going to do this too. We want a leader who will stake out the ground on literally dozens of issues and don't back down. The American people gave the, the majority in America gave the Republican Party this power in Washington and the Republicans in the U.S. House need to use it. They also need to use their power of the purse. If you get to Washington and you've got the Republican majority and you're watching a president compromised by China, the current president compromised by China, everything he does, every policy that comes out of the Biden administration is harmful to the American people and helps America's enemies and you get a hold of Washington, D.C., and you've got the power of the purse in the U.S. House, what you ought to be doing is stopping the Biden agenda in its tracks. Hook, line, sinker, stop it. Stop spending money. Stop the FBI and their targeting of American citizens and the DOJ. You've got to be targeting these programs that are lunatic level coming out of the Energy Department, the EPA, all of these agencies use their power to take away freedom for the American people. The American people are finally awake to it. The House GOP leadership would be, would be deeply appreciated by the American people, not by the local press in Washington who will crucify them, but by the American people for standing up. And this is what the American people want. It is like, I'll tell you, I, I could say so much more about this, this uh, story, but I want to wrap up the first five by saying this. What time it is in America is that we are watching through the Biden administration and not just the White House and, and Vice President, just the White House, but the broad bureaucracy in Washington, the policies being pursued by this administration in issue after issue after issue after issue. They are no longer taking policy positions or pursuing goals that are within the American playing field. We are watching the Marxist takedown of America right in front of our eyes, at the hands of, at the behest of, with the support of the Biden administration. It's their agenda. It is a third term of the Obama administration, which was also on the march to take down America, America the free, extraordinary, great, and brave. So that's where we are. And so you finally get the majority in the U.S. House. Republicans have some capacity, and we'll get to the Senate later in the show, but the Republicans have the capacity to defund and simply refuse to fund much of this. And lots going to depend on who they choose as a leader. It's going to depend on whether those who see the danger to America, who don't think we're living in the 1980s, politics as usual, Democrat versus Republican, we're talking about patriots trying to save this country and those trying to take it down. Those are the dividing lines. The Republican Party has a chance in the GOP and the House right now to say we are not, we're going to defund the entire Biden socialist agenda. We're not going to fund efforts that in any way push forward the takedown, the destruction, the weakening of America that is front and center in the Biden administration policies. And so when you have a supposed leader, a would-be leader like Kevin McCarthy, no wonder the conservatives are, st are trying to stand strong. They want to say just no. There need to be more Republicans brought on board with those saying we need somebody different. We need an actual leader who knows what time it is in America. Now, this leader, if McCarthy, I'm going to assume McCarthy's going to get it. At the end of the day, um, it's unlikely that Andy Biggs or some other person would get the House majority, uh, would get to be the um, House majority leader. But but get to be Speaker of the House, rather, Speaker of the House. But there's still the capacity of the Republican majority and every single member up there to stand up for what the American people are dying to have leadership do, and that is to stand up for the idea of America, the freedom of America, 
our borders, everything about America is being destroyed by the Biden administration. There's a capacity for leaders to emerge, actual future, future, recognizing the future leaders in the U.S. House to say, we are going to do everything we can to stop the Biden administration agenda because we want to restore America. That is what at stake in this amazing, amazing uh, battle, not just for uh, Speaker of the House, but in a larger way, well, what track, what agenda, what direction the House majority will go. I hope and pray and urge you to communicate with your, if you represented by a Republican, to urge them to be strong. Use these two years. At least you have two years of the leadership of the House. The Republican majority needs to stand strong and stand up for America. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. Okay, so what's happening? So we have this, um, you know, we, we have this battle. We're in this slow period before the new Congress comes in. And, you know, again, on this idea of how we, if you're a member of a grievance group, if you're a group that is, you know, the, the left has identified, you're a grievance group, you're a minority, you're someone who's been discriminated against, all sorts of groups fit in that. And if you're in the, one of those groups, you got people standing up for you in Congress all over the place, so proud to stand with thee and then fill in the blank. But the people just agitating for saving America, they don't have very much. But now they have, in Washington, as I was saying in my first five, they have the House uh, majority that is GOP. So you'd think in this period of time that you would maybe see some semblance of leadership uh, emerging, some semblance of leadership uh, emerging. Um, and I'm still hoping that we will. I am still hoping that we will. But one thing is happening, just, it's, it's kind of breathtaking to mention to you, but I'll just tell you this story. So now we have, you know, I'm telling you, the vast majority of Americans, they, they know Trump won in 2020. They seriously doubt the 2022 midterm outcomes. So you have the fervor, the passion, the energy among the American people is with the conservative agenda and on many, many issues. And yet, what is pending right now in the Senate, in this lame duck time, you know, lame duck is referring to before um, the end of the year when in January, um, you know, the new composition of the House and Senate will take their seats. Uh, so you have this lame duck time. There is a huge push by, in the Senate by even Republicans to try to get through some kind of amnesty bill. I am not joking. I, I mean, you would think of all the things when you go to Washington and, they're tr and, and you can see the country is in deep turmoil the country's just, I mean, it's being split apart. It really is being split apart by what the Biden administration is doing. It's not just a Biden team. It's the whole left of America is doing. But one thing that I would, I mean, poll after poll shows the majority of Americans, they want the border secure. They want the border secure. Maybe they didn't like a border wall, but they want border secure. So now we sit here. You know, we're in December, we have the new majority coming in, and yet there's an effort in the Senate to push through an amnesty bill, including uh, being supported by a uh, Republican, uh, Tom Tillis, as well as by uh, Kristen Sinema and others. They're basically pushing a bill, trying to get an amnesty for illegal aliens through the lame duck session in Congress. Now, to be more precise, it is amnesty for DACA. You know, the people who weren't born here, the parents brought them here. There's a separate sympathy factor for many people. It's amnesty for DACA, but, you know, it's a, and we're going to finish the border wall, but there's no, no commitment to that, no time to that, no promise of that, no promise of spending. We're going to finish the border wall. We're going to make some other needed adjustments to our amnesty legislation, adjust the amnesty rules. I mean, it's, it's a big hodgepodge. But I'm going to just remind you back when Reagan pushed through his amnesty, which was the, the only big mistake of Reagan's entire presidency, in my view, was the amnesty thing. He was promised, if we do this amnesty once, but all these people here who illegally become citizens, we're going to fix it. We're not going to have this problem. We're not going to have a country filled with illegal aliens. But every change needed to prevent that was going to happen after the amnesty was given. Was well, the same dang thing now. If these people in Washington really want amnesty for DACA, which, leaving, leaving that issue aside, if they really want amnesty for anyone, including DACA, everyone on the conservative side needs to be saying the border wall has to be built first. Finish the border. 
wall, fund border patrol, and, and everything about the immigration laws needs to be tightened. Needs to be, the remain in Mexico needs to become federal statutory law. The idea, you can't come here, I mean, you have to wait in Mexico while we review your amnesty request. There are all sorts of changes that President Trump tried to put through through regulation or executive order, and you can make those law. Secure the border, secure the country, and then maybe we can talk about these things. But I'm just, the reason I want to talk about today is the idea, you have Chamber of Commerce naturally pushing this. Chamber of Commerce, they want more people here, cheap labor for all their member employers who want to hire cheap labor. Um, and so they're, they're pushing this. And of course, every single Democrat in the United States of America believes in all sorts of amnesty, no limitations. They're never going to fight an amnesty bill. They're never going to say, you know, maybe we should really reconsider this. So you have a slimmest uh, majority in the House. You have the Senate just, you know, it's now it is uh, Democrat majority, briefly. Um, we'll see how that goes. But you have Tom Tillis and Kirsten Sinema of Arizona proposing a plan to give amnesty to, amnesty to at least 2 million illegal aliens um, and bring hundreds of thousands of more workers into the U.S. Uh, labor market. Uh, there's a provision in this uh, that deals with it. They talk about other things they want to change. I just want to say this is happening. This push for amnesty is happening at the same time, this weekend, I'm here in the great state of Texas, just this weekend, just this weekend, over the uh, border uh, wall or border in El Paso, Texas, which has you know, a long stretch of border. Uh, it's where Beto is from. But in any case, Biden has had so many messages sent out from his administration encouraging these people, encouraging them to come across the border, come on in, no one's going to regulate a darn thing, the, the border's insecure. So his whole revolving door policy has illegal immigrants crossing the Rio Grande, which is a river, the Rio Grande River down there, crossing the river into America just hours, hours after they were just bussed back to Mexico um, with a police escort. And I just want you to stop and think about the mentality the leftist open borders um, thinking has implanted in the ideas of people who have no legal right to be here. The mentality is, we're going to keep trying. They're, they're going to let us in eventually. Then nothing's going to happen to us. It's not like we get in trouble. We sneak in the country. We maybe get rounded up. We maybe don't get rounded up. But hey, after all, you know, we just come back. They have no fear of immigration service, no fear of prosecution, no fear of anything crossing over and over and all the biden administration and the democrats in the house and senate and this bill that's being pushed by tillis and cinema and cinema will do is encourage them more to just come here this is the absolute utter capitulation of the united states of america that's what it is if you don't have borders to state the obvious you're not a country you're just you're not a country you're you're a you know plop of land someplace on the globe planet earth so there is a um there's just a profound need to recognize this is a country surrendering effort. This is a country takeover effort by the left to abandon borders as part of the international socialist mission. There are many, many organizations in the world that push this idea that nation states are antiquated, old fashioned. Why do we have to have different nation states? Got one big global government, one big happy family, and the global governments can run everything. And we don't need silly countries like America believing that they stand for anything or they mean anything. And Biden is playing right into, and his entire administration, playing right into the hands of the socialists who literally, truly want one world government and the destruction of America and of nation states. This is why, my very fine friends, the idea that you have in Washington, the, I mean, why I say it's so absurd and why the majority in Washington does not seem to sense the mood of the American people, you ought to have every Republican who's a member of the U.S. Senate locking arms on the Capitol steps saying, we are not going to pass any amnesty. We're not going to pass it. We're not doing amnesty because it's bad for America. We're going to get the border secure first, and then maybe we'll talk about it. But they don't do that. And I'd like to point that I was saying earlier about the House has the power of money. And the House has the power, you know, uh, all issues of spending must come out of the House under the Constitution. Well, the Senate has built in, not in the Constitution, but by past practice, the power of the filibuster. So you have, whether I guess we count now 49 Republican senators, 
you, all 49 of them, if they were committed to listening to the people, listening to their voters, listening to the base, they would be right now shutting us down this discussion without even batting an eye and just showing up. And literally, the picture of the, all of them standing on the, uh, the steps of the Senate, steps of the U.S. Congress, saying, no amnesty, period, until the border is secure and the wall is done. They have that power. The filibuster, the filibuster rule still in place for legislation, allows them to say, we're not going to let this bill get to the floor. They could do this. This is part of the lament I was talking about earlier. The more informed you are, the more you realize that the goals of just basic common sense Americans, not far right extremists, not whatever, not far anything. This is Main Street, mainstream, apple pie America. We want a secure border. We don't want people to come in here illegally. And we don't want to give people amnesty who came here illegally. Maybe you have a different position on DACA, that's something else. But for the vast majority, no and not ever. And so it helps you to see why I, my point in the very beginning, more people are recognizing they know these Republicans in the Senate and the House, they know that what the American people want. They want the border secure. They want our country back. They want to be a sovereign nation again, but they won't stand up. And this is why there's so much deep anger within this country. I'm just on one issue, but the issue I'm laying out for you now, same could be true of 25 other issues or more. The Republicans in Washington do not vote to end the policies that will protect the base in this country. They don't, they don't put forth policies that protect the American people. They are bought and paid for. They are too far, many of them too far immersed in Chamber of Commerce, afraid they'll lose their next election if the Chamber of Commerce won't endorse them. Too many of them have financial interests of all kinds tied to illegal aliens entering America, tied to illegal labor. They have all sorts of interests in the international socialist movement. They do not stand for America. And the awareness of this is rising among the American people. I, I mean, I, I just find it breathtaking. We, we have... A, you know, four weeks left or less than that in this calendar year, and what you find, at least one Republican senator, and, and now independent, Kristen Sinema, but she's, you know, votes for the Dems mostly, they're pushing for amnesty at this time when the American people are clamoring for leadership. It is truly astonishing. All right. Uh, I want to co cover the Hunter Biden hearings that we hope are coming. Um, and I want to say a bunch of things about the Hunter Biden um, laptop hearings. So, and before I do that, I've forgotten the last few days. If you're listening on radio, I want to make sure you know, uh, first of all, thank you to Brighton Radio for carrying this show. If you're listening anywhere online uh, and, you're, and, and you're just hearing audio, I want to remind you that you can always go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, and you can listen to this show. You can see the show. You can see past interviews, our Why It Matters um, feature. You can see our blog posts. Everything is on the website. You can actually also listen to the show on the website at americacanwetalk.org. americacanwetalk.org. You can listen live there or on Facebook or on Twitter or on Rumble. Uh, and, and, and True Social, we're there too. We're everywhere. But if you're on radio, you're going to go off to a break at the bottom of the hour, 30 minutes past the hour for three minutes. I'll be right here when you come back. Please come right back after those breaks. I want to keep on talking with you about Saving America. Okay, I want to hit this next topic about... Um, Hunter hearings DOA and uh, DOA. I don't like using those kind of it's kind of negative, but DOA is, is dead on arrival. So a lot of talk about how we're going to have hearings uh, in the new year with the Republican majority um, hearings uh, in um, in the Capitol related to the Hunter Biden um, laptop story. And I want to make a couple of things that are really uh, really important to understand before I get into the detail why this matters. People are aware that the Hunter Biden laptop. I mean the the very existence of the laptop that was in the possession of the FBI before the 2020 elections. So the FBI has the Hunter Biden laptop in their possession before the 2020 elections and literally just didn't do anything, didn't look into it, didn't disclose it, didn't let people, and it's full of, it is a, it is a, you know, the human equivalent of a walking felony. It is filled with outrageous confirmations of, of uh, not just perversion of Hunter Biden and his uh, drug use and sexual perversion and all the stuff that's in there, 
but it's also emails, very, very, very serious emails condemning and, and exposing the Biden family's connections with China. I mean, it is not like we want to have Hunter Biden hearings so everyone gets, can be all you know, curious about how perverse and, and drug-addled and, and sexually perverse Hunter Biden is. That's not the point of the Hunter Biden hearings. But the serious issue of number one, the political partisanship that is just, uh, in my view, criminal, that the FBI knew about the Hunter Biden laptop and actually downplayed it. And there were, as we talked about before, 51 ex-Intel officials, really high-level officials in America's intelligence community, as you well know, who, who put out a statement discrediting Hunter Biden's laptop. And they literally put out a statement saying, this looks like Russian disinformation. And so for many people, you know, this story is Hunter Biden's laptop, the laptop repair shop owner brought it to the public's attention. He said, as soon as he realized what was on it, he's like, oh my gosh, this is horrible. And so, you know, the FBI has it. And then, so these Intel officials come out and claim the entire story is probably Russian disinformation, which as has turned out was a lie, was completely false. Now you can say maybe they didn't know that it was false to claim it was disinformation, but the fact is they made that statement as if they knew. They acted, they took their positions of authority, their resume items saying, oh yes, I'm a former blah, blah, blah. I'm an important guy and I, I think this is Russian disinformation. They had no idea what they were talking about. They obviously either had never even seen the laptop, in which case they should not have been opining what was on it, or they did see it and they lied. In any case, they're now those 51 officials. This is one good thing Kevin McCarthy, if he is to be Speaker of the House, has agreed that he will subpoena the 51 ex-intelligence officials who discredited the Hunter Biden laptop story. So that's good. I mean, that's good to get those people, in, you know, hopefully in front of camera, subpoena them, sit down and have a hearing in the House, and they can be utterly, you know, justifiably humiliated by their lies and deception. You know, maybe that's a good thing. It's not nearly enough because what really needs to happen is not just looking into why these people lied about it, but what was in the laptop. What is in there? Because I'm telling you, I'm getting around to saying how serious and important this is. The Hunter Biden laptop is the key to understanding the nefarious, evil, corrupted nature of the Biden administration. The contents of the Hunter Biden laptop, if they can be understood by the American people, exposed to the American people, they will be a window for everyone to understand how corrupt, how utterly owned by the CCP the Biden family is. It is a picture of corruption. It is a picture of distasteful behavior, a picture of transfers of money, people sitting on the sidelines making money um, out of all of the Hunter Biden escapades, and they're all sitting right there. This is like having a handwritten confession by a serial killer and somehow never having the public know about it, never having, never being able to, it, really what he wrote, this is Hunter Biden's own laptop. It's his emails and people responding to him. It is like a confession letter by a serial killer. And we all know that, you know, if that happened in a, in a trial, yeah, the jury get to see what did this accused really write. So now you have Hunter Biden laptop, it's getting at what's in there and is getting at not just how creepy a guy he is, because he is a creepy guy, but what does this say about the reasons, the actions, the, the failure to act on the part of the Biden administration? It really exposes him. I mean, people have been using the term about him. He's like an agent of the CCP running America. I will tell you, there's one guy in particular, uh, a former U.S. spy, a, just a, I happen to know him, he's a wonderful, wonderful guy, named Sam Favis. Um, Sam Faddis is a, uh, is a former uh, CIA, not just a former highly decorated CIA operator, he's also, he recruited and ran foreign agents for America for many years. He's a, he writes at AND Magazine, he's got now a substack called AND. He spoke at my summit, he was a brilliant speaker, and he has opined, Sam Faddis has opined, that as a result of the collective betrayal of public trust, as will be revealed in the Hunter Biden laptop, 
we Americans elected a president who is a controlled asset of, the, of Chinese intelligence. This is how bad it is and how serious it is. Now, you might listen to my show and think, oh, I'm here to talk about, you know, Republican Party, Democrat Party. I'm here to talk about, you know, uh, the Bill of Rights or tax policy or pro-life policy or, you know, whatever your issues are, religious freedom. But I want you to think about how serious this is. We literally live at a time when the man who, who's, for whom the election was stolen, Biden, he didn't win in 2020, He's now occupying the White House. He's, he is occupying the White House. He's not serving. He's occupying. And in the White House, he is acting, according to Sam Faddis and literally, you know, many others, everyone who understands the, Biden, the Hunter Biden laptop, he's acting as a controlled asset of Chinese intelligence. It's like in America, we're always talking about, you know, our number one enemies, our number one enemies. Oh, yeah, it's Russia and China. And China's really the bad one because China is, is, really has world control agenda. They want to be the one single superpower. We are at war with China right now. Whether we like it or not or even know it or not, they're at war with us, trying to take us down. The laptop has evidence of the very sitting president of the United States and the Hunter Biden laptop needs to be explored hook, line, and sinker in, for, in front of the American people to understand how corrupt and dangerous the current presidency is. And then I would like to share with you the input on this topic by, you know, the rhino-in-chief. Probably a lot of people get that title. And I don't even like rhino because it's kind of cute. You know, and people, the left will say dino, Democrat name only. We say rhino. I am talking about a man who has held been the public eye for decades, has held positions of authority, has been successful in corporate America, and is a, you know, in some circles, not here, but in some circles, a revered leader, a member of the United States Senate, who is forever, ever and a day doing everything he can to mock and negate and, and trivialize and reject and crush, if he can, President Trump and every single MAGA supporter he has. And this is Senator Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney, Mitt Romney has called for an end of the investigation of the Hunter Biden laptop. Nothing to see here. I, I, I find this staggering. You should find it staggering. This is the guy who, you know, sticks his chin in the air, Romney, and tells us how he's very noble and very patriotic. And he is urging the House not to hold the Hunter Biden laptop hearings. We don't need to look into it. Nothing to see here. Let's not. And there are, by the way, plenty of Republicans. I believe there's a majority in the House just saying, yeah, we're going to look into the laptop, the whole dang laptop. But let me uh, go on from there. So Romney said, I think the American people want us to tackle some of the big challenges we have, immigration, inflation, and so forth. And the other things that divert from these priorities, I think, are a waste of time. Now, let me say, if all they wanted to talk about was how perverse Hunter Biden is, he might have a point. But what the Biden laptop has in it is, is evidence that we have an elected leader who wasn't really elected, but a leader occupying the White House who is in the hands of the CCP. That's the kind of thing will come out of these hearings if they can go forward. But he's saying, don't bother. I tell you, if you wonder what in the world, why would Romney say that? Um, number one, Romney is, is overwhelmed with, he is driven by the idea of destroying Trump. He was one of only six Republican senators who voted in favor of creating the January 6th committee. I mean, he is a anti-Trump, anti-MAGA, anti, which and I will tell you, I'm going to say this many times, MAGA in America is mainstream Republican. I mean, it's Make America Great Again, but MAGA is mainstream Republican. The agenda, whether you do or don't like Trump, whether you never want him near the White House or you want him there tomorrow, whatever you think about Trump, the MAGA agenda is mainstream America. And you have to understand, people like Romney, they don't just hate Trump. They hate the MAGA agenda, the idea that the American people actually believe that we want to have our republic back, that we want to have the people, we the people, as a sovereign. One more thing on Romney. Um, one interesting little fact about what might be driving Romney, um, he doesn't want to investigate, investigate Hunter Biden's laptop, has a top advisor who previously sat on the board of Burisma. 
Burisma being the Ukrainian company that Hunter Biden wrote about, email full of laptops about the Ukrainian company Burisma, uh, another money smuggling funneling operation making its way into the hands of the Biden family. Romney's got someone on the board of Burisma. So you have, um, in fact, his comments were made publicly. Romney's comments were made um, after a Republican members of the House Oversight and Reform Committee vowed to launch an investigation into Hunter Biden's business dealings that involves his father, Joe Biden. So you have, uh, you know, I mean, anyway, the guy investigate the laptop. I'll tell you something else really interesting about investigating the laptop. Um, there is an effort ongoing now, being noticed by a few, more than a few people, um, that there's an effort right now because the Joe Biden, Hunter Biden, the Biden, you know, crime family, they can see this is coming. They can see, I mean, they, they probably hope to interfere in some way, to mock it, to silence people, I don't know. But I do wanna make uh, clear, they are aware this is coming and they don't like it. They don't wanna have the uh, investigation of Hunter Biden's laptop mar the last couple years of the Biden uh, presidency. Should he possibly last that long, which I don't think he will, but that's another story. In any case, so there are steps already being observed, being taken by the Biden team to, uh, there was a strangely timed DEA raid, a raid to get another laptop uh, of Hunter Biden's, um, excuse me, <clears throat> that another laptop that was seized, uh, another Hunter Biden laptop seized um, by the Drug Enforcement Administration um, from Hunter's one-time psychiatrist, Keith Abloh. I mean, it's a bizarre thing why they're even bothering with this right now, but people are noticing steps being taken behind the scenes to make this difficult to have the Hunter Biden um, investigation into his laptop and his dealings that involved his father. I, I mean, it could not be more front and center relevant to the future of America, the safety of America, um, that you have these, um, that, that you have a full investigation because the American people need to know who they elected. They need to understand why and, and understand whether or not really Biden's on our team or not. Anyway, I said enough. Okay, um, I'm gonna hit uh, two other quick things. Um, one is uh, this prisoner swap um, that, we, that you all likely heard about, uh, Brittany uh, Griner. She was a, um, you know, a WNBA star. She was arrested in Russia, was sitting in jail in Russia. Uh, because she brought in um, pot of some kind, CBD or something. Um, anyway, she got, when going through her getting there, when she arrived at the airport, they go through your luggage, uh, duly warned many times, don't bring illegal drugs. She does it anyway. She gets arrested. She's in uh, prison over there. So uh, America decided, uh, the Biden team decided to make a prisoner swap. And I know you've heard this, but I'm getting to a really important point about it. So we, we get Brittany Griner back, who, you know, is not an American hero. In fact, she spent her time in the WNBA uh, hating America. She's an America hater. She wouldn't stand for the national anthem. She had lots of nasty things. Oh, she would say we shouldn't even have the national anthem um, at, the, uh, at her games. I mean, she's really, you know, she's a le obnoxious leftist, anti-American uh, thinker. And, but the other person at the same time, still sitting in prison in Russia, uh, is a former Marine uh, U.S. citizen now named Paul Whelan. Paul Whelan's been sitting there for four years. She's been there, I think, a year, maybe even less than a year. And so we Americans agreed to give the Russians, to give the Russians a drug, excuse me, a uh, weapons smuggler, an arms dealer, a guy who actually, his, his a Russian arms smuggler whose mission in life is to move weapons around to get them in the hands of people to kill Americans. So you have, we give them back in America, we give them their, their uh, weapons smuggler, arms smuggler, so we get back Brittany Griner, but not, not this Marine Paul Whelan. We, don't, we didn't ask for him, we didn't get him. And I wanna make a couple points about it, but first before I do that, there's a clip I sent to Mr. Emilio. Yeah, he's got it, okay. I wanted to show you, and I gotta tell you what I gotta do here. So this is a clip from Russian news, a uh, Russian news station. So the uh, P, the woman, the commentator is speaking in Russian. And I know since we don't speak Russian, there are subtitles. I'm going to read you the subtitles. So if you're on air, you if you're just listening online, you'll be able to hear this. But this is what she had to say, making fun. I mean, just the mockery of America is breathtaking. Go ahead and play it. Quality would be decent, no worse than a flash drive. He is a spy, therefore to them he's a hero. She's talking about Whelan. He's a hero, a decorated Marine, covered in medals. 
He has only one, no two, nor three problems. The first problem is he's white. First problem. Second problem, he's a man. Third problem, he's a heterosexual. So she is mocking America. That's not something that can be forgiven. It's a catastrophe. Yet here Griner beats him in every respect. American voters were given a choice. A hero who suffered while serving his fatherland, a metal-covered hero who suffered during his service to his fatherland, the United States, or a black lesbian hooked on drugs who suffered for a vape with hashish and, and well-known for the sake of public relations. We can cut it off right there. I want to tell you, this is Russian news mocking America on live television, pointing out they can figure out what drives the Biden administration. They are so driven by identity politics and their, their, their favorite groups that she, this, this is a woman giving a commentary in Russian news, she's saying everyone can see why they bring home Brittany Griner and leave a Marine in prison in Russia because he's white, he's male, he's a patriot. I mean, the, uh, it's staggering. And he's heterosexual, yeah, he's straight. But in America, she, they're, they're making fun of America. This is how laughable Biden is in the international world. He's laughable. He's, a, he's a, a subject of mockery and ridicule, and he should be. We couldn't figure out whether to bring home this other guy. But on a second point, just as a other quick aside on this, there is no way America should return and do a prisoner exchange and ever give away an armed smuggler who tries to kill Americans. Period. I think Trump put a statement out saying he'd been offered to get, if he would give away the arms smuggler, or they would take back, that we would get Paul Whelan back. And he said you know, he wanted to get Whelan back, but he's never going to give the Russians the, um, this arms smuggler. And two last points before I hit my last story on this arms smuggler story. One is, this is the same Biden administration that is chomping at the bit to take away all your guns. Americans can't have guns. Russia, the number one enemy of the world, and you know the one they're always the left is open. Russia, Russia, Russia. They can have an arms smuggler back, someone who smuggles arms to get them in the hands of people who will shoot and kill Americans. That guy will give to them. So this is Biden saying, you know, I'm not real. I mean, American people can't have guns, but Russia can have an arms smuggler. Staggering hypocrisy. And second is. All this time, the Biden team has been telling us how scared they are of Russia. They're terrible. They're awful. We have, they're our biggest enemy. Russia, Russia, Russia. Well, we have to keep on spending billions of dollars in the Ukraine because Russia, and yet we give them an arms smuggler back. He's not serious about anything, but he's not serious about Russia. He's serious about the political points he thinks he'll make by bringing Brittany Griner back to America. I mean, people, the staggering is not just unstatesmanlike. It is on, on Biden's part. It's unserious. It's unpatriotic. It is. It is so. It is unspeakably unserious, uh, anti-American, just, just, just child, childish behavior by the president. It's like I might get more brownie points if I bring her home, and I get more points in this community, that community, and I don't really care. So the Russians get a. I mean, it's staggering. Uh, you know. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I won't use one word, but it's staggering, stu not just stupidity, because stupidity implies you don't understand the issue. He does understand. He simply does not care. He does not care if he released an arms dealer, a Russian arms dealer, back to them so he can go back to work trying to kill Americans. This does not bother the President of the United States. A truly dangerous situation we're in. Okay, last quick story. This is about, about Brazil and Bolsonaro. You know, I've been talking a lot about um, in America, and I started the show talking about it today, the level of frustration among the American people, among the patriots in America, and I'm, and you know, I, I want all of us to stop agreeing that if you support the MAGA agenda, if you want a secure border, if you want to have, if you don't like uh, CBDC and the government taking control of your money, if you want a secure border, if you want a strong military, if you want freedom and free markets, if you want to have the government protect us against fentanyl coming across the border, if you want the government to act like they care about the American people, you are not far anything. You're not far right. You're not far left. You're just American. You're a sane, everyday, main street, mainstream American. 
That's what you are. And the mainstream, mainstream Americans in this country are getting frustrated, deeply frustrated. They know the 2020 election was stolen. They've had, we've had show after show here. We have evidence after just, you know, evidence to everyone who's willing to pay attention. And the 2022 midterms. And so the American people, and then we get people in Washington, like Kevin McCarthy, who want to be leader, want to be Speaker of the House again. And he's not, he's not into the MAGA agenda. He doesn't support anything about it. He's a compromiser. He's a negotiator. He's a capitulator. He's just a spineless Republican. And so you get to the point like they're getting to in Brazil, because they also had their election stolen. In the country of Brazil, as we pointed out, I think the election was October 30th, I forget when it was, but Bolsonaro, the incumbent president, is like Trump of Brazil. Bolsonaro, huge fan, massive, massive crowds, holds events, massive crowds, and you know, then they have the literally, actually, openly, Chinese Communist Party, CCP-supported, radical communist, Lula, he runs also, so Lula's on the ballot, and he's wanting to, to, to take away, you know, the freedom that the people of the Brazil have been celebrating and loving under Bolsonaro. And they claim, and they had a whole series of elections, they finally got the runoff, and they claim that Lula won. And every reliable poll was saying that's not possible. And the people of Brazil know, they know, they know, as sure as I'm sitting here talking to you, I know I'm sitting here talking to you, they know it was stolen. And Bolsonaro is trying to figure out what to do. Today is the day, in fact, it may have happened while we're on air today, but the, today is the day that they're supposed to make the official announcement in Brazil that Lula won and he's the new president. And again, they have all many similar factors than, as we have in America. They have judges in the system there that won't force fair elections, that won't acknowledge the... Uh, uh, huge problems they have in their elections. You have a Supreme Court justice who's a communist, so he, of course, likes Lula, and he was unwilling. In fact, he was trying to drive out of office the uh, one government official who was saying, we better look in the, into this election. There's really, really bad stuff here. The people know Bolsonaro won, just like we know in America Trump won in 2020. So in Brazil, they had a, a statement made. I'm going to have to do a combination of things. We're going to play this clip. You'll hear the news reporter in Brazil speaking in English, and then when they flip over to Bolsonaro, he is speaking Spanish. So when he gets start talking, I'm going to read to you uh, the uh, translation at the bottom of the screen. Let's quick play that. To stop the president-elect Lula da Silva from taking office. After 40 days of silence, Bolsonaro addressed his supporters outside the presidential residence. Listening. <clears throat> Who decides my future are you? Who decides which way the armed forces go are you? I'm trying to read what Bolsonaro saying. Who decides where the Congress and the Senate go are also you? This is Bolsonaro speaking. Bolsonaro backs supporters call, well, saying for a military coup. He's saying Bolsonaro says armed forces last obstacle to socialism. Brazil, Bolsonaro backs supporters to protest against his defeat. And this, so Lula's being sworn in January 1st. And the reason I want to play that is, in fact, I went to a luncheon today and heard a, an excellent speaker talking about this, I mean, a very prominent national speaker, talking about this push of communism and socialism is all over the world. They are willing to steal elections. The mind that the, the movement of communism and socialism, willing to steal elections, willing to, uh, you know, brazenly do so. And what Bolsonaro is saying in Brazil is, you know, the day is coming, January 1st, 2023, Lula is supposed to be sworn in. And, and Bolsonaro knows he, Bolsonaro won, the people know Bolsonaro won, and frankly, many in the government know Bolsonaro won, but the communist movement is very strong down there. And he's saying in his, his remarks, the military is the last one to help you stand up against socialism. And he's assuring the people, his remarks basically said to the people, I'm assuring you that if you, the people of Brazil, stay in the streets, keep protesting, stay in the streets, the military will be on your side. And I was at a very high level meeting a couple weeks ago where I was hearing someone who had just come back from a meeting with Bolsonaro. 
And he was saying, yeah, they feel, the Bolsonaro team feels, that the military is on the side of Bolsonaro. They understand this is a communist takeover of Brazil. They don't like it. The military knows it, and they're on Bolsonaro's side. So it's getting very, very serious and very real down in Brazil because once the announcement's made, the, you know, the coronation is made, or whatever they have, inauguration of Lula, then he's the official leader. Uh, then they're really in trouble because he's, I mean, the policies he's laid out, he's a flat-out communist, and the people know it, and they don't want it. And so they're feeling helpless, just like they're feeling helpless in America. They watch the powers that be. They watch elections stolen. They watch people uh, rising to power, doing things antithetical to what the people want, what is the right role of government. And in Brazil, they are in this time period, because Bo- Lula's not sworn in yet, Bolsonaro is just kind of, I mean, the, the caption, the news source is putting on there was, Bolsonaro supports military coup. Well, he didn't really say that. What he said to the people was, the military will be on the side of the people. You, the people, you decide who runs the government. You decide who runs the Congress, who runs the Senate. You decide who runs Brazil. He's encouraging the people, if you understand what's happened and you stay strong, because they've had three million people in the streets of Brazil for weeks. The people won't go home. I have pictures, I'm sure you've seen them, massive crowds in the streets saying, we're not gonna put up with this. This is the kind of fight it takes. It takes the people saying, we're not going to put up with this. And the same thing, sadly, in America, there is a growing, rising sense among the American people that no one in the government will make things right with elections. No one will fix, uh, will, will fix what's wrong with the election systems. No one will stand up for the American agenda of strong border, freedom, free markets, everything the American people want. No one in Washington will do it. I truly, back to my earlier part of the show, I truly hope the Republicans uh, who are serving and now have the majority in the House, I hope those Republicans will decide they want to stand up for America. This is Debbie Georgiatis. My radio listeners are heading off. America Can We Talk, americacanwetalk.org. Come back every day, Monday through Thursday, 3 p.m., to talk truth about America, and thank you for listening. For everybody else, you're listening online, and I do at the close of every show tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we started talking about who speaks for the American people. Dystopian disconnect between American rulers and the people, never wider, and it's growing even wider, ever wider. Rigged elections disenfranchise the people. The swamp doesn't care. Treasonous behavior at all levels of federal government defies the people, mocks the Constitution. The swamp marches on and defends its own. Overrun border endangers all Americans. The swamp doesn't care talks amnesty instead, imposed energy shortages, crippling the economic well-being of millions of we the people, the swamp doesn't care. Climate hysteria is a tool for maximum control. More on that tomorrow. Surveillance state and CBDC, ending privacy and freedom for we the people. The swamp relishes the potential for total control. Evidence of nefarious plandemics abounds. The swamp plows forward with more plotting. All of this defies the will of the people. None of it is within their, was with their consent. Does Kevin McCarthy even understand these revolutionary times? And then we had <clears throat> um, border overrun, so now's the time for amnesty. El Paso experiences the worst overrun of the border in history this past weekend. Yet GOP leaders start moving towards ser- serial amnesty. DACA, then, and will always be more. Number two, the rest. Wall supposed to be finished, but it's not the top priority. It should be the only priority. More and more Americans are recognizing this battle is not Democrats versus Republicans. This is atheist communism versus freedom under God. It's a full-fledged, unrestricted warfare. Party leaders do not seem to have a clue how serious the warfare is or how far along it is. Or they are compromised and working on the side of the atheist communism. The American people are going to have to take a stand. Will Brazilians offer an example? On Hunter Hearings, DOA, nothing captures the extent of ruling class, government, big tech corruption, dishonesty, and even treasonous behavior than the Hunter Biden laptop episode. FBI had it, had it in its possession over a year before the 2020 election did nothing. 50 former U.S. intelligence officials, including five former CIA directors willingly and falsely declared it to be likely Russian disinformation. 
no evidence whatsoever to back them up. Contents of the laptop demonstrated completely corrupt and compromised Biden family. And big tech colluded with deep state to censor, stifle the story before the 2020 election. And Senator Mitt Romney is discouraging hearings about it because it's a waste of time, in his words. Not clear how much more of this willful defiance the American people can take. And on prisoner swamp, <coughs> swap from the swamp, Griner not Whalen, prisoner swap, WNBA player, black lesbian Brittany Griner, who has denounced racist America for Russian arms dealer, Russian media mocking Biden's choice, left behind a Marine, albeit an imperfect one, and who cares, for Griner, an in-your-face reflection of Biden's leftist cabal imposing their values on America. Americans welcome home all Americans, but prisoner swamps swaps inevitably driven by politics. Obama's swap of five Gitmo terrorists for AWOL, Bowie Bergdahl, still rankles. Griner, for a convicted arms dealer who facilitates efforts to kill and terrorize Americans, a Russian arms dealer, by the way, there is no way this trade would be supported by a majority of Americans. And finally, Brazil and Bolsonaro. Brazilians know their election was stolen. Brazilian military knows the election was stolen. Bolsonaro knows, and Lula knows, the election was stolen. Millions of Brazilians have taken to the streets for a month to insist on justice. Bolsonaro carefully urging the people to stand up, urging the military to align with the people. Election certification due today. Will it hold? And what will be the lesson to Americans? My friends, that was a very serious show today. On Mondays, I do a deep dive, and today was a pretty deep dive. These are serious times we live in in America, very serious times. If you love this country and you understand what's at stake, I urge you to embrace the idea every single one of us can be doing something, something to stand up against this ongoing, steamrolling, overtaking of America by Marxism, destruction of America happening right in front of our eyes. I urge you to be active. Tomorrow I'm going to share some ways you can be active. So I'm Debbie Georgiatis. This is America Can We Talk. You can always watch and sh listen to shows later at americacanwetalk.org. I do this show every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to speak up for America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America? Can you hear us now?